Welcome to Legends of the Hall, the podcast centered around the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in Colorado Springs, telling the stories of the greatest stars in the history of Pro Rodeo. On today's show, we talk to 2022 Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame inductee, Cindy Rosser. This is professional rodeo announcer, Steve Kenyon. Legends of the Hall is being sponsored by Wrangler, the official Western wear of Pro Rodeo. Long live Cowboys. In just a moment, we'll talk history and heritage with Cindy Rosser. Hey y'all, this is Cody Johnson. When I was starting out in music, most every radio station and venue I went to told me no. At that point, you got two options, tuck tail and quit or buckle down and fight. Well, I'm a fighter, not a quitter. And that's why I wear Wrangler jeans and shirts. Their toughness and style are legendary. They're an iconic symbol of the West and there's no quit in them either. Life's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And if I'm gonna enjoy the ride, I'm riding in Wrangler. Wrangler, long live Cowboys. Radio fans, we're giving you a chance to take 8 Seconds Media wherever you go. Check out the newly remodeled 8 Seconds Media store. Click on the shop link at 8secondsmedia.com. Thanks for joining us for Legends of the Hall, the podcast centered around the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in Colorado Springs. If you have uh, letters or nominations you'd like to submit for a potential Hall of Fame inductee, they need to be into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame by January the 31st. I talked to Kent Sturman, the executive director of the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame earlier this week. Uh, all of the details, all the information is available at ProRodeoHallOfFame.com. But the deadline for nominations for the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame this year is coming up January 31st. Can you believe how quick we are zipping through the month of January in 2024? Let's talk about today's guest on Legends of the Hall. She comes from the world-famous Rosser family. Her dad, Cotton Rosser, also a Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame, considered by almost everybody to be the greatest showman in the history of professional rodeo. 2022 Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame inductee, Cindy Rosser, joins us on Legends of the Hall. Welcome to Legends of the Hall. I'm Steve Kenyon, and uh, our guest is the lady who was inducted into the Hall of Fame as a notable in 2022, uh, a member of the Old Girls Rodeo Association, and then to the WPRA where she was a vice president. Cindy Rosser has worn a lot of hats in her life, and uh, I'm, ple- I'm pleased to be able to share some time. Cindy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about, okay, how, what am I going to ask Cindy? And I thought, you know, I should ask Cindy about growing up Rosser and then just let her go for a while. Because in your family with your dad, Cotton Rosser, in the Hall of Fame and uh, brothers who are rodeo producers, it is it, it's it's been a it's been a really interesting way to grow up and and uh, to to have a family legacy, hasn't it? Yes, it has. And uh, uh, dad was a he was a tough one. You had to earn your keep. As a kid, you uh, did. You know, I I think we could tell cotton stories all day. And, sure. And I and I'd love to, but I also want to tell some Cindy stories. Um, okay. I want to hear a little bit about some of the things that you have done because you have had, from being a rodeo secretary to being a Hall of Fame inductee to being the lady that carried the flag in the grand entry, coming out of the boot and wrote the grand entries at the NFR, and I don't know. I'm, I'm missing a whole bunch of stuff there, Cindy. One of the, the better bull breeders, I think, in the country right now. Um, you've had a lot of different opportunities in your life. Talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah, the, the openings were a huge, huge thing. Matter of fact, I was looking at some pictures the other day and, you know, you go back to the NFR, we did the openings for 10 years. So that's a hundred openings that I had to write scripts and, and put together. And, you know, they still do a lot of things the way they line up and stuff at the NFR that we created when, when we did it in 1985, when it came from Oklahoma city. So that running barrels, halter breaking buck and horse colts as a kid. Um, I rode every horse on the ranch, Steve, to try to find that cool barrel horse. So, you know, I, I've, I've had a, and I guess now I'm paying for it because my back's a little bad when you ride so dang many horses, yeah. but uh, no, I wouldn't change anything. It, it, you know, it's, it's been a great life. Uh, uh, but yeah, the livestock love the livestock. You said something about halter breaking bucking horses on the ranch as a kid. And I remember yeah. talking to cotton um, and, and he talked about, and I remember talking to Reno and he talked about, and I remember talking to you and you talked about at a flying you rodeo back in the day, the bucking horses, correct me if I'm wrong, were literally, tied up to the fence with halters on and then led into the bucking chutes. Is that correct? Yes. Well, actually, Steve, that came from Andy Oregi, J Spear Rodeo. And Andy had rodeos, well, at the forum, you know, all those building rodeos we went to. And he had a manger and it had a little shank on it and a snap. And you'd lead that bucking horse over and snap them. And then, you know, we'd undo them a couple times a day to water them and you'd feed in that manger and then lead them up into the arena and you could sat, put your bareback rigging on or your saddle bronc, uh, saddle on right there in the back. You that, said that's the way that, Andy did it for years. Yeah. You said that you, you actually rode every horse on the place trying to find the perfect barrel horse. Did that include a few of the bucking horses? Yeah, probably one of the better horses I had as a kid was uh, Rango. Dad picked him up in Filer. Some little old man brought him in there and said he bucked him off and, you know, the story was that he pulled a plow. I don't think that's true, but, and then dad paid $50 for him. I don't know if that's true, but, um, I needed a 4-H horse and that little horse, I'll tell you what, I won a lot. I won Helena. I, I did really, really well on that supposedly $50 horse. Huh, he was a plow, good one. Supposedly. And that your dad paid $50 yeah. for supposedly. The fifty dollars to this little old man that didn't said he bucked. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, with cotton, it wouldn't surprise me. None of it would surprise yeah. me. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about um, the 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 openings that you were involved with. I I heard a story once upon a time. I that I think it was Houston. You guys were were there, and you were actually you had a boot. And if folks have never seen this. Describe the boot, and the, the the way I heard the story is you actually ended up sitting in that boot on a horse for two hours from the time the doors opened until the time the rodeo started before you were able to come up out of the boot. Is that true? Well, yeah, at Houston, but the NFR we had to we had to load at the NFR before the doors opened. So what time? Yeah, that was about two hours. Houston, hmm. you know, we'd load and then pull it out there and drop it and just sit there. Wow. Yeah, it, it got a little boring, but that's, you know, entertainment. The boot was, how did that thing work? It had a cage inside of it, and it had, had a scissor lift, a hydraulic scissor lift. 
So it would take 17 seconds to get to the top. And uh, uh, we designed that for the NFR and worked on it here and took it to the NFR. And uh, I had an old horse, a black horse, Patty Truckle, that I ran barrels on. And, and uh, he, he was spectacular carrying the flag. But yeah, and then we pulled it off. Uh, but it was really tight in there. So a horse would have to stand, you know, with his head cocked, a big mm -hmm. horse would. Because wow. it was pretty tight inside. And you came up out of the top of the boot and then what were lowered back down after you after the national anthem? Yeah. Yeah. You, you would cue it and then uh, come up right to the t for the national anthem. And then if I could sing it, but I can't. But, uh, you know, right at the right time, you just drop huh. and then open the door and come out and go around. I'll be darned. With um, the flag. There were several. Um, several different themes of openings that you folks put together. And I don't want to get lost on this too much, but I just think it's a fun story. And, you know, you're, everybody knows your, your father, Cotton Rosser, was the greatest showman we've ever had in professional rodeo. Um, I mean, but there was everything from the boot to a Liberty Bell to, wasn't there even some kind of a spaceship, space alien, something thing that you did as an opening at some rodeos? <laughs> Yeah, that was one we, we created, the history of space. And then we took the turntable and put a saucer around it. And then we lifted it up in the ceiling and we put pyro on it and, and dressed Charlie Tutal up as a Martian. And so the whole the whole open, that was the last night uh, of the, it was the 10th performance, I remember. And we practiced and practiced because, you know, most of our rodeos are outdoors. We're not indoors much. So right. anyway, the, it looked like a saucer and it had all this pyro. And so the flags went around as a history of space and lined up. And then I came in with the American flag. So w when the spaceship dropped, it had pyro and it looked and the music. It was perfect, just perfect. Came down and then Charlie went out there and he plugged it in, you know, because for the turntable to turn. So, uh, and I got up on the turntable, the national anthem and pulled it up and you know what, Steve, we've never used it again. It's still sitting over in the barn. Really? I'll be darned. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. well, I, I, you ever look at that stuff and think, why don't we bring that out sometime? Yeah. The teepee's over in the barn and it hasn't been used since the NFR. Huh. Interesting. So yeah, we, we did a lot of things, the rainbow, the horseshoe, the star, uh, Oh yeah, birthday cake. I've come out of a birthday cake too. I'll be darned. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The your 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 Hall of Fame bio reads like this: The daughter of Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame stock contractor Cotton Rosser grew up horseback, a staunch supporter of the WPRA for decades. Cindy worked in every facet of the rodeo business as a competitor, winning the California Circuit Barrel Racing title in 1982, helping put on some of the biggest rodeos in the PRCA. Has had a hand in rodeo production. Your entire life, you were the PRCA Secretary of the Year, 1986, selected as the NFR Secretary a couple of times, RNCFR Secretary a couple of times. That's why I say, I don't, you know, I we could take a full hour here, Cindy, and I don't know that we would get into the depth of everything that you've had the opportunity to do in the rodeo business. Is And, and, and my question, I guess, after all this is this, what's your favorite part of it? Is there a favorite part of it? And I'm going to guess that I might know an answer, but I'm going to let you answer the question and then I'll see if I'm right or not. Well, I think running barrels. I, I love to run barrels. You know, I, I had a stud and 19 mares at one time. I loved that. 
uh, raising livestock, uh, creating openings. Uh, you, you know, you have to, Steve, you know, you're an announcer, you have to entertain the crowd. Yeah. And so every year at the NFR, I'd have to come up with something new and Sean would go over the list and, and we did a lot of crazy stuff, you know, tried to roll the wagon that didn't work. It ended up running over the guy and, you know, we brought the chariots in there. Uh, we hung Charlie too tall in the Thomas and Mac. Uh, I guess that creativity of, entertaining the crowd uh, in the openings, running barrels, uh, creating uh, cool bulls, cool horses. You yeah. know, I'm still doing that. So, did, did yeah, Charlie I think just, that end. Did Charlie get to a point where he was a little nervous if the phone rang and it was you guys? <laughs> well, well, when we took the sleigh and we had Santa Claus, and I don't know, a lot of people don't know that, that Santa Claus was Boyd Polhamus. And uh, Charlie was the elf, yes, in the sleigh. And Susie McIntyre sung, and it was the end of the performance. And all the kids sat around the campfire. And you'd be surprised some of the kids that have been to the NFR roping that were in there. They were little kids then. Huh. But, uh, yeah, Charlie's been an elf, a Martian. Oh, gosh, what else has Charlie been? Yeah. Oh, hung, you know, in the yeah, and fell out of the back of the hearse. And then it poofed. And, uh, yeah. Did, did we just break news that Boyd Polhamus was Santa Claus? Yes. No, he was. And I kid him, too. <laughs> I'll yeah. be darned. Um, he was a good one. I, I, I'm sure he probably was. You know, okay, so the thing that I was, when I said, I've got a guess, and we'll see if I'm right or not, my guess was going to be, because I know how much you love breeding and raising bucking bulls and how passionate you've always been about breeding and raising bucking horses. Um, that's, yes. that's been a big part of who you are and, and your life, hasn't it, Cindy? Yeah, I guess, Steve, I want to try to create something cool, you know, that outstanding animal, that great animal and for it to go on to, to buck or produce, uh, yeah, I, 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 I crave it. I, I do. I really like to do that. What was your role in the Flying U Rodeo Company with horses? Because I think you had a lot to do with helping to develop those bloodlines, didn't you? Yes. Back in the day. Yeah. We had uh, quite a few mares and studs and uh, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, it's coming time to send your stock list in and all the animals that I've named and all those animals that went to the NFR. And I think, my gosh, what, what a ride. Some of those great mares that we bred and, and uh, you know, trying, trying to create uh you know, a stud, to, another stud to put on them. And, you know, anybody in the breeding business in the buck and horse world would love to have a skull Sally. And interesting, Steve, she got hurt at Salinas and she was a great, great mare. And those bronc riders will tell you back in the day. And I bred her to my paint stud and another stud when she was hurt because I kept her here at the house. And she was a mean son of a gun. Huh. But, uh, Though that product bucked, and now I still have one of those mares or two of them, and they're producing too. Tell and me, and they weren't straight bucking horse. You mentioned a paint stud. There, there's a story about a, a, not a story, but there was a black and white, I think, paint stallion that you had for a lot of years. That was, am I anywhere close to being right on that? Does yep. that sound? Yeah, he 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 was by Bugs Alive in '75. Yes. That's that's when, and I had 19 mares of my own yeah. that I handbred to him, 
and got a lot of good Colts. And, you know, I think I'm about 25 years too late now, yeah. you know, with all these incentives. And then and Julio even roped on him at the BFI. He was that good a horse. He wasn't a bucking horse, sire. He was a barrel horse. Sire. No, no. Oh, no. I bought him out of Oklahoma. Verdon Royce raised him. Yeah. Uh, yes. And talk to me about two or three of the bucking horses, and then I want to talk about bulls a little bit. But there were some okay. there were some bucking horse sires and some bucking horse mares. You just mentioned one of them, the one that got hurt at Salinas. Um, through the years, and I think those bloodlines even still show up at the National Finals Rodeo today with horses like Little Red Hawk, don't they? Yeah, Little Red Hawk, if, if you go back in her history, uh, her her mother was Lady Red Hawk, and then she went back to Red Lady and Nighthawk Skull, the, the black stud. And yeah, she's got quite a history, that mare does. And then her dad was, is by Cinnabar Sal, who was Cinnabar of Hutzels, and you remember that. Oh, yeah. Remember Cinnabar? Okay. Yeah. But, but out of Skull Sally, and that's the mother to Little Red Hawk. Hmm. I mean, not the mother, I'm sorry, the sire Yeah. to um, uh, Little Red Hawk. I'll be darned. Um, mm -hmm. You are very passionate about bulls. You, mm -hmm. you, I, I think that when, again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to scrape together some memories here, Cindy, of conversations we've had. And so if I say something that is completely off base, please stop me. But, um, when, when things like the ABBI got started, you were involved in that, correct? Um, at the yes, beginning? yes. We were original shareholders. Uh, Dad and Julio and I were original shareholders when they first bought Bob Tallman out. The PBR did. And then I was on the ABBI board for six years. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was wild. You know, it, the thing is, Steve, as you remember back in the day, oh, yeah, this old bull's by such and such and out of this. Well, DNA proves you now. Yeah. This is exactly what they are. Yeah. Um, are you still raising a bunch of bulls today? Yeah, we've got 70 cows between uh, the families and mine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, what? How different is the bull business from the horse business? That might sound like Steve's dumb question of the day, but I've always thought yeah. that raising bucking horses because of the longevity of the horses, but because it takes longer for them to just have a chance to find out if you've got a horse, that raising bucking horses must be a little bit different animal than raising bucking bulls. Am I right? I think that horses are more sensitive and, and you kind of wait on your horses, as you know, with your barrel horses that you guys have yeah. raised, they don't develop till they're older. But, but a calf, you know, you can, they're, well, they are competing on yearlings now, but uh, you, you can buck that calf with the, the light box or dummy, as we call it, that's four pounds and then go up to the eight pounds and the 12 pounds. So you can develop that calf a lot quicker and be bucking them when they're three-year-olds at the rodeo. Matter of fact, we, we sent, uh, I think, three bulls to the NFR in 99 that were three years old hmm. that were by Whitewater. Um, where yeah. does reindeer fall into all of that as, as far as the bloodlines are concerned? I'm forgetting where the, where the great bulls of yours came in. Reindeer, uh, dad yes. bought a whole load of bulls from Alex Nacarado back in the day. Alex lived in Knight's Ferry and, uh, was getting older and he wanted to kind of clean up his herd. So we bought a whole truckload and, and they would go down there. Uh, with goosenecks and get a load and help Alex. Alex didn't have a lot of help. So uh, Julio and 
God, there was a whole bunch of guys, Jeffrey, a bunch of them would go help and, uh, gather them and, and, uh, uh, bring them in. And then we'd go through them. We here at the ranch and that, that's how reindeer, uh, because Michael and, uh, Drew Eakin said he would pick his head up like that and he looked like a reindeer, you know, a reindeer. And that's how he got his name. Huh. But it took time because he he didn't develop right away. Uh, and, and, you know, if people know the story of Bushwhacker, who is reindeer's son, they're late developers, just like horses. They don't really buck till they're long three-year-olds and almost four. And, and that's the way reindeer was. Remember, and bushwhacker. Yeah. yeah, I remember talking to Julio about bushwhacker, and he talked about you know doing some of the things that they did to to keep him in really, really, really good shape. Um, and that is one part of the bull business I think that has changed and developed over time, isn't it? Um, where the the I mean these these bulls truly. Are, I, I, I always worry that our bulls are way ahead of our bull riders in a lot of respects, to be bluntly honest. And and uh, when you've got, you know, bulls that are going out and swimming and exercising and doing those kinds of things, you know, they you know you're going to get on a fire breather when you get into a bucket shoot with them. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, matter of fact, Troubadour, back when he was bucking, uh, I knew something was wrong with him because he would really extend and kick like square over his head. Yeah. And he kind of got flat and ended up taking him to UC Davis and taking one of those heated cameras. And he had two fractures in his back right behind the hump and one right above where the flank is. And when those bulls kick square over their, their back like that, they really, and, and, you know, the sad thing is these animals were not designed to what they're doing. And so, yeah, he had to rest for quite a while. But those bulls that do that, they, they can break those little points off their spine, yeah. extending. Uh, Cindy Rosser is our guest, and uh, Cindy's a Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame inductee, um, is today a representative. She's my representative on the PRCA's Contract Personnel Executive Council. Um, has there, there, there is, and I think I could probably say the same thing about uh, Reno and Lee. There, there is, just because of cotton and the way you guys grew up, Cindy, um, and, and all of the things that you were asked to do and all of the things that you did, um, there aren't very many people who have sampled as many different aspects of the rodeo industry as, as the Rosser kids are, are there? Yeah, we had to do it all. You know, when we were young, we did, you know, you got up in the morning and you fed and then you went back and if it was sorting at the feedlot, you know, what, whatever, you know, we worked yeah. all the time. Cotton's story, he, what is it? He had a, a miniature donkey or a miniature burrow or something. I think his name was Jack. He used to deliver newspapers on when he was a kid and yeah. uh, was an all-around champion in, in college at uh, at UC Davis. And there was no, a- No, Cal Poly. Cal Poly. I'm sorry, Cal Poly. Cal Poly. Cotton would kill me for saying that if he <laughs> can't hear right now. Um, and then he he got into an accident. He was he was doing something with a post hole digger, and broke both his legs. Am I am I right in that? And that's where we got Rosser from. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Was that, yeah. The the competitor could yes. not compete anymore, but the showman was able to go to work at that point. You ever you ever stop and think how your lives yeah. would have been different without that accident? I know what would have been. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I don't know. 
You know, my, my mother was really into the horse show business. So when we were, when Lee and I were little, we showed horses, uh-huh. you know, I showed at the cow palace and the junior grand. And, and then, you know, then of course we were involved in rodeo anyway. And then right. here came barrel racing and I wasn't showing horses anymore. Then <laughs> that was too slow, <laughs> way um, too slow that, you know, that's the part I don't think that we talk about as much with, with you and your history is the fact that you were darn talented on a barrel horse. And had some nice horses yeah. underneath you. Yeah. No, I, I was fortunate. Like I said, I tried everything on the ranch and uh, trying to find that great horse and, you know, trained a lot, trained all my own horses and rode a lot of pickup horses. And yeah, I, I rode everything. Cindy, pro rodeo in 2022, 2023 and beyond. Um, ever since the coronavirus, you know, we, we got through COVID and actually I thought had all things considered even though it wasn't in Las Vegas, it was in Texas. I thought we had a really good finals, really good NFR that year. And and since then, it appears to me, whether it's the rodeo that I get to work with you folks in Auburn, California, or any of the other rodeos I go to or rodeos that we watch on TV, our industry is really exploding right now. Um, crowds are ginormous wherever we go. Um, yes. Big rodeos, little rodeos, it doesn't matter. Am I right in saying that? And and you ever think about what what we're doing right now and what is causing that to happen? I think that we uh, well, they talk about what Yellowstone's done for the industry, but but I think we're an out mainly an outdoor sport, and and people can bring the family. It's not an expensive ticket. You know, you go to an NBA game here in Sacramento. Yeah. You know how much money you're going to spend. Oh, to go and park and yeah. park downtown. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're, a, a you know, a, a good price and we're good entertainment. And, and as you know, Steve, in California, we have to entertain the crowd. We, we, you know, we're not Pecos where everybody, you know, is having a good time drinking lots of beer. We have to have good inver- entertainment, uh, openings, closings. Uh, so when those people walk out of there and they're playing, thank you very much that we did a good job to entertain them yeah, and they'll come back next year. And boy, I, I mean, I love the state of California. I grew up five miles from the Oregon, California border. California is its own special challenge. I think, isn't it to produce a bunch of rodeos oh, in? As, as everybody knows what's going on in LA and now maybe San Diego, the, yeah, it's tough out here. It is really tough. And we, we've got to keep, and everybody needs to keep helping you know, writing into those uh, chamber of commerce people and those city council people, because uh, those people are not slowing down. And uh, it, it, it is really hard out here. You know, in California years ago, Steve, we had like 82 professional rodeos. Now we're down to 30 some. Wow. That's... Every county fair had a rodeo. Yeah. Um, that's too bad. That really is, mm-hmm. is difficult and and i've heard that fairgrounds in california are actually running into some financial issues because the states i mean that's impacting their ability just to put on an event we could probably spend all day talking about california and i and i'm not sure that i'm the right person to share those stories but you know such a wonderful state and it would it is yeah i just i just would love to see our western way of life not being challenged so much by a place that produced a million western movies and gave us families like the rossers and i i it's sad it's heartbreaking i think 
Yes, it is. It is. We're, we're trying. We're trying to keep it alive and, and keep doing everything we can do. You know, Reno works really hard on the animal rights issues and goes to everything. And, um, but, but it, it is, it, it's a tough thing out here. Yeah. Um, Cindy, before I let you go and I appreciate your time, um, talk to me about how life has changed for people like you behind the scenes in the rodeo business, rodeo secretaries, rodeo timers, the people who you, you maybe see sitting at the table next to the announcer, but don't get near enough credit. Don't get near enough credit. Um, your, your life behind the scenes with a lot of what you do now has changed a lot, hasn't it? Oh yeah. You know, I, I used to take care back in the day. I took care of all the saddle horses openings, did everything like that. And I got thrown into secretary because the secretary took off on a week left during a rodeo. And here I am, what was I, 14 or 15? Oh, wow. And had to finish the rodeo. And I didn't even know what I was doing. And I'll never forget, Ace Berry was judging. He must have been hurt. And he goes, you know what you're doing? And I go, well, I said, there's a payphone out there and I can call Ellen Backstrom. She's in Bishop. <laughs> or I can call the office and talk to Sharon Van Resselaar. So that's how we got through. It was Sacramento. And it was a week-long rodeo. Wow. And uh, that that's how I got thrown into that. And then the next rodeo was Paso Robles and Edith Connolly was sick. And I had to go down and t- that's when we took entry, Steve, when you had to go to the rodeo and either sit in an office, the basement of a bar or a, a box stall that had a phone line in it and take entries. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So we've come a long way since then. This was before ProCom and before ProRodeo.org yes. and before all this other stuff. I'd forgotten that you all, y'all actually had to take the entries too. Yeah. Yeah, we did and type them up and uh, nobody even knows what a typewriter is today. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're an industry in motion, and I think the Rosser family has had an awful lot to do with the progress that we've made so far, Cindy, and I really mean that. I, I, I don't know. You know, Cotton had a lot to do with the NFR going to, going to Las Vegas. Um, yes, him and Benny. Yeah. Yes. I, I, there are so many things I think of, okay, if Cotton Rosser wouldn't have got hurt by that post hole auger, um, I wonder what would have happened next. <laughs> and I hate to think that way because I loved your dad, but, um, you know, things would have progressed the way they would have progressed. But, um, I, you know, we just, we have an industry that owes, I think, your family an awful lot. Well, thank you. Um, thank you. For, for, for everything you've done, for introducing the idea of so much showmanship to our events and, and, uh, and then following through, not just introducing the idea, but following through and creating the, the actual moments. What was, is, are there one or two best Cotton Rosser stories that you like to think about when you're thinking about your dad? <laughs> there are probably 102 uh, or 502, but. I'm trying to think now you caught me off guard. Well, this one, of course, we're all adults. Um, they're gathering cattle and it's, uh, they're down in Dixon and uh, he, uh, uh, they had to get around these cows and trying to get them up. And he goes through this canal and he gets all wet. So he goes and gets, and that's when we had the first Dodge Ram trucks, those silver ones. Right. I forget what year those were. Anyway, so uh, Julio and Jeff and Jim Pratt, they can't find dad and they're going, where is he? And so they're bringing the cattle down the canal and here's dad standing out there and he's got his necktie on 
and that's it. And his and he's going going like this, you know, trying to push the cattle, and they all start laughing so much <laughs> that they let the cattle go. And here's Dad standing out there trying to turn these cows but they're all laughing because he's buck naked and all he had on was his necktie and he's walking around in the stickers and, oh. and anyway, that, that that's that's one that's pretty pretty wild dad uh, yeah he uh he did a lot of things um yeah uh at Folsom one year and he was older he was eight, in his 80s this bull jumped the fence and I'd tell the pickup men and, and Bob Marriott and, and uh, Matt Twitch would say, I can't get in front of your dad. If he wants to rope something, I, I have respect for him. And I said, yeah, but the bad thing is he catches, yeah. you know, he can, and this bull jumped the fence at Folsom. He reached and roped him and jerked his slack and just handed it over. Huh. You know, I forget who was standing there. And, uh, you know, he, he was a hell of a hand. Yeah. I mean, amazing hand. Cotton Rosser was a cowboy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, he was. And he told you probably, Steve, that back in the day when they went to the garden and the Boston garden, he worked every event, won the wild horse race at yeah. the garden. Cause he said, if you entered them all, you'd at least win some money and something. Yeah, that's exactly. And he was, he was an all around, he was an all around hand. And uh, yeah, I remember him telling me that story about the Boston garden years ago. I think that might've been the first year that I came to the rodeo in Auburn, California. And I remember this, your dad was in his, I don't know, late sixties or seventies at the time. And mm-hmm. I was about to have my hip replaced. You guys gave me a great big, tall black and white paint horse to announce on. And mm-hmm. Cotton Rosser is just laughing his tail off because I could barely get on this son of a gun. And he's just sitting there <laughs> howling at me. I'm in my seventies and had my hip and my legs broken. And I'm like, yeah, just <laughs> fine. I'll get on. And I got on eventually, but um, yeah. Yeah. He, he had a lot of fun in the rodeo business. Oh, he did. And you know what? His thing was to entertain that yeah, crowd. Yeah. That, that was his thing. You know, he wanted to make sure that they were happy and they were entertained that day. Yeah, for sure. Cindy, congratulations on your well-deserved induction into the Hall of Fame. Congratulations Thank on you. all of the success that you and your family have had. And I look forward to seeing you sometime down the road very, very soon. I'll see you in a couple months. See you in a couple of months for sure. Cindy Ross are joining us. This is the Legends of the Hall podcast. A couple of months Cindy was talking about is a great rodeo, the Gold Country Pro Rodeo in Auburn, California. Over the last couple of years has grown two performances to three. Uh, It's really become a fun stop uh, around the uh, state of California, the world of professional rodeo. Thank you for joining us for Legends of the Hall, brought to you by Wrangler. Please subscribe to our podcast at 8secondsmedia.com. God bless everybody. I'm Steve Kenyon.